Hello, Stacey Mueller here, and I welcome you to this podcast of Dropping the Plumb Line. It is March 20th, 2023, and tomorrow evening we step into the new Hebrew Covenant calendar, Nisan 1. And Nisan has everything to do with taking flight, going into a posture of praise to start the year. There's actually an anointing to praise Him this year so that we can, you know, joyfully sow seeds into the spring season the next three months and hopefully reap a harvest if we're listening to the Lord as He is instructed. So join me as I continue finishing. This is part two of the final countdown and what God is doing in this year of 2023 going into 2024 as well. So in part one, I was kind of going over and sharing about Jacob's trouble, how we're coming to the end of that time and heading into the millennium rest. Yet we have to go through a finality of the shaking and, you know, the remnant is just kind of hidden right now still, kind of like when Jesus was hidden in the grave and he was getting those keys from death and hates and he was about ready to step out days later into his resurrection power and yet everyone was walking around wondering what the heck was going on and the disciples had really lost hope actually. So I hope you know as we come into this year and the shakings come to their finality that we don't scratch our head going wonder what's going on and where is the Lord and the Lord is going to give us a scripture and this is the one that we're going to have to write over our hearts and it's be still and know that I am God and that's in Psalm 46 uh, verse 10. Now we, um, I was going over how the last three years have kind of been this divine pause for us to come into the church time of shaking and awakening and to get her outside of the systems of the Edomites in their thought process and actually in some obedience to come out of things that we're not supposed to partner any longer because God's judgments had been released. And so uh, we're in now the fourth year and this fourth year has to come into its completion as well. And so this brings me to John 11. And I've always wondered about the story of Lazarus and why uh, God allowed Jesus to be delayed until the fourth day in order to raise him up. And it has everything to do with the times that we're living in right now. So let's go to John 11 and we're going to start in verse 1. Before I start reading chapter 11, I do want to give a few details that might help us as we're reading. Now, Lazarus' name actually means resurrection, and the biblical gematria of Lazarus' name is 144. Now, that number is significant because we see it in the book of Revelation that is describing the first fruits remnant who rise up at the beginning of the millennium and assist the Lord as he returns to bring healing to the nations. Now, the town that Lazarus is from is Bethany, and Bethany's um, that word means house of affliction. Now, I believe that that's symbolic of the church age or the church these last 2,000 years in the wilderness that has been afflicted much. We see so many divisions, denominations. We see martyrs. We see, um, see it oppressed by the enemy who's ruling and reigning right now. However, Lazarus comes out of this house of affliction at the appointed time after he's gone through a death experience and then is raised up in resurrection power. Now, you and I, 
I don't necessarily have to die in order to be one of these first fruits remnant. Our flesh has to die. It has to go through a consecration and a maturing process so that we're being led by the Spirit of God and that, and not by our flesh. Now, we do know that there has been many that have died uh, for the sake of Yeshua, and they are martyrs, and they will join those who are alive at the presentation when it is the beginning of the millennium, and the Lord bring, brings this first fruits remnant up out of the grave and gives them the glorified garments to pre- be presented to the Father face to face to come back to the earth and to finish the work of establishing his kingdom here on the earth. So that is not uh, an accident that we find Lazarus' story in the Gospel of John being the seventh sign of miracles and power that Jesus re- um, does because seven is also associated with the Sabbath day rest or the seventh day um, than when we head into the millennium. So starting in verse one, now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sister sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love, Lazarus is sick. Now, when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. I actually think that this scripture is something we need to hold on to, that the sickness and the disease and the pestilence and the famine and the death that's all around us is not death for the remnant, but for the glory of God, that the sons of God would rise up and be glorified through it. Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Now, I really believe that the year that we're coming into, you and I need to understand God's divine appointed time. We need to be on time, not ahead of time or behind time, but right on time. And so normally, you know, if you hear that someone in your family is really sick and on their deathbed, you would drop everything and you would go to be by their bedside. But Jesus doesn't do that in this instance. He waits two more days. And that's because he was tearing. He was going about the father's business. He listened and he was obeying and he knew what time he was supposed to leave and get there so that this miracle could be released to establish a precedence and a blueprint for something that is bigger that we're reading about now that gives us an understanding of the reason why he was dead for four days. So you may be asking yourself, well, why was Lazarus in the grave four days? You know, that goes against the blueprint of Jesus being in the earth three days and three nights. Well, Lazarus, remember, represents the first fruits remnant, the 144,000. And they don't rise until... 4,000 years from the time and the conception of the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis 15. So we had 2,000 years when the Lord made that covenant, established it with himself. He said, I will perfect and perform it. And that's why he put um, Abraham to sleep. And then 2,000 years, he sent Jesus to go ahead and bring it into its fulfillment, but it's not quite all the way uh, released of its inheritance 
until 2,000 more years that we've gone through the church age so that the, the church can multiply and go forth and bear fruit and mature so that they can handle the inheritance that was promised. And so now we're in the fourth day or the 4,000 years since that Abrahamic covenant. Hallelujah. You know we're so close to the shifting of the end of this church age and the beginning of the millennium. I'm so excited. Okay, verse 7. Then after he said this to the disciples, he said, Let us go to Judea again. So the disciples said to him, Now, Rabbi, lately, you know, the Jews sought to stone you, and you're going there again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. So instead of running to Lazarus to go help his friend, Jesus goes the opposite direction so that the light that's in him could shine in that darkness and God could use him in those two days. Verse 11, these things he said after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus, he sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. So he understood the father's business. He already saw in the spirit that Lazarus had died, and he knew exactly what he needed to do when he arrived. Verse 12, Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. So the disciples who were with Jesus didn't have a clue. They weren't discerning what was going on. Now, I'm not like bashing the disciples, but they're actually representative of the church that has not matured. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. There's going to come a time when the remnant are going to speak to the church that have not eyes to see or ears to hear yet. They haven't, they're still complacent and they haven't awakened that they will have to speak clearly and truth of the situation that's in front of them. Verse 15, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. The disciples are hearing, you know what? Uh, it's God's plan that he's going into this dark place and he's waiting two days. And wait a minute, is if Lazarus is dead, why are we going then anyways? So they're having all these questions, just like you and I would be rational and trying to figure out what is God doing right now in this time that we're in in this last year. And we have to just trust and listen to the voice of God and only do what he's telling us to do. Verse 16, then Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, well, let us also go so that we may die with him. Verse 17, so when Jesus came, he found they had already been in the tomb four days. There's that four days. Now, I do want to share with you that uh, in order to be legally dead, uh, concerning this is from the books of uh, the records of Josephus, who was a famous Jewish historian. They said that um, that you had to be dead three days in order for it to be legally uh, written that that person was dead. And so now Lazarus has been dead 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 he's been dead beyond the three days that it says yep he's legally dead and so that the glory of god can be seen in this miracle verse 18 now bethany who was near jerusalem about two miles away and many of the jews had joined the women around martha and mary to comfort them concerning their brother then martha as soon as she heard that jesus was coming she went and met him but mary was still sitting in the house now martha said to jesus you know lord if you had only been there my brother would not have died oh goodness 
Jesus, if you'd only come back, you know, three years ago, we wouldn't have had to go through some of this hardships that we've gone through, right? We could actually have a pity party and not understand what God's doing through everything that is shaking around us. But that's not what God's calling us to do. He's calling us not to be moved by our soul. Verse uh, 22, but even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give it to you. She still hadn't lost her faith. And, and that part I just love about Martha here. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. He's decreeing and declaring what the promise of God is and what the father was going to do. He wasn't going about what he was seeing. And so he was breathing life, the Ruach, into that situation. That is how important taking the word of God and the sword of the spirit is right now and start using it as the Lord gives us instruction to breathe life into our situation and for the circumstances that are around us. Jesus further states, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He's asking us all that. Do you believe that this story doesn't end in death, but resurrection? Hallelujah. Verse 27. So she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who is to come into the world. And when she had said, said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and he's calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now, I love that because sometimes the Holy Spirit has to whisper and say, hey, listen, I want to teach you something. And so we have to rise and, and stop and listen. We'll have some moments of silence where we need to listen to the anointed one, the teachers, to show us what we need to do. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha had met him. And then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, they followed her saying, She's going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had only been there, my brother would not have died. She too is grieving and mourning, and she's looking at the circumstances instead of the promise. And therefore, when Jesus saw her, he uh, saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit, and he was troubled. Here we see Jesus completely in intercession. This is God's mercy and grace for us, covering our weaknesses and where we are weak in our faith. You know, faith moves the hand of God and we know that, but God also knows where we're weak in. And so he steps in and he takes over through his intercession where he's sitting next to the throne of God on the right hand, interceding for us because everything that he is, is perfect and right and holy. And so he is going to raise us up according to the pattern that God has established. Next, we read the, the smallest scripture in the Bible, Jesus wept. And this is sympathy for him. It's the groaning and travailing. And then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And so some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also kept this man from dying? You know, all of us could be saying that where we know the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that goes forth and he heals the sick and he raises the dead and he performs miracles and signs and wonders. And yet some of us have experienced 
praying for people and they have died. And some people have not experienced the miraculous power. And then we're sitting there and we're like, well, why didn't God do that? See, this is where God is taking us up into a greater level of understanding to know he's in the death and he's in the resurrection life. He's in the signs and wonders that are released and he's in the ones that are, are being withheld because he's doing something else that we cannot see. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead, not three days, but four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I say this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And when he had died and came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth, Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. Hallelujah. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen these things uh, that Jesus did, they believed in in him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees, they gathered a council and said, well, what should we do? For this man works many signs. And if we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. This is the pharisaical, the antichrist spirit that has been working in the church to try to kill, steal, and destroy the remnant that are walking by the spirit of the living God and they're boldly proclaiming the truth and the things that are outside of God's nature. And yet the religious leaders are trying to silence them all throughout the generations, trying to kill them like they did to Wycliffe and Tyndale. And many of the remnant today have actually left the church structure when the Holy Spirit was told it cannot move within the four walls of the church. And so they've been moving outside of the church and they've been, you know, getting prepared to move out in this miraculous. And you know, those church leaders are going to look at what's transpiring and this transformation that's happening when the Lord starts opening up more of his miraculous and they're going to be saying the same thing that the Pharisees were saying way back then. Now, I do believe that in 2023, we are going to see an increase of signs and wonders in the miraculous, but that's because we're getting closer to this shift. And who is our greatest opponent is the religious spirit, because they've said no to the Holy Spirit. And so when they start seeing it, they're going to start judging it. They're going to start condemning it. They're going to start trying to pit other people against the movement because it's not following their protocol or the way they think that God should be moving. And so just be warned that the religious spirit will be your greatest foe and that you need to not worry about the rejection or the um, the sarcasm or the words that are coming against you, the persecution. Know that the time is drawing near that we are going to come into a greater measure of God's glory. Now it goes on to say, and one of them, Caiaphas, being the high priest that year, said to them, you guys know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. Now this he did not say on his own authority, but being a high priest that year 
year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And not only for that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one, the children of God who were scattered abroad. You know, here comes revelation and truth on the flip side of this sign and wonder that Yeshua performed. And it opened up the eyes of this high priest to prophesy and to speak. Matter of fact, many of the the Jewish people actually started coming into an understanding and belief of Yeshua as their Messiah. Uh, Verse 53, and then from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. Therefore, Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but he went from there into the country near the wilderness to a city called Ephraim, and there remained with his disciples. Now, Ephraim means uh, fruitful, and it was fruitful for him to uh, bow down, go humble, stay low, and uh, stay out of the limelight until it was time for him to come into the next uh, thing that the Lord asked him to do. So I want to finish this podcast with Psalm 46. As Jesus was still and he listened to the Father and he followed his instruction, this psalm will lead us and guide us in the way we should go in the year ahead. It says that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Matter of fact, we are rising up in greater measure of faith. Hallelujah. Even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, and though the mountains shake with its swelling, there is a river whose streams shall be made glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. Oh my goodness, we just have to find and follow the Holy Spirit and where the breath and the wind of God is blowing and going and just follow it. And we're just going to go on an adventure with the Lord and find peace and refuge on all sides. And we're going to find joy as well in this journey. God is in the midst of her, he says. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just as the break of dawn. The nations raged and the kingdoms were moved, and and he uttered his voice, the voice of many waters, and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob, he is our refuge. So come, behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two, and he burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us, and the God of Jacob is our refuge. So I hope the story of Lazarus and Psalm 46 has given you some insight, encouragement. Go back over them, and I'm sure that God will give you more revelation. But, you know, we are at the time of the end of Jacob's trouble, and there's a time of tearing and a silence that's in that time of tearing. And we cannot be moved by what is transpiring, even if we hear of death that's going around us, like Jesus was not moved by Lazarus hearing what was going on with him. He saw ahead of the power that God was about ready to release through him. And he is going to do that through you and I as well. God bless you and have a great, amazing new year.